Welcome to Training Room Talk, where we discuss all things performance, rehab, and education. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Training Room Talk. I'm Dr. John Herding here with Coach Rob Rabina. How are we doing? Dr. Ray Carr. How's everyone doing today? And we have a new student, guys, um, Logan Woodall. Hey, how's it going, guys? He is our student from Lynchburg University. So far, so good um, with the, the things that he's doing. But anyway, um, thank you for joining us again. Today, we're going to talk about, we're about a month late on this one, but the National Athletic Trainers Association just released an official statement regarding recommendations to reduce the risk of injury related to sports specialization for adolescent and young athletes. Um, this is something that has been a hot topic in, in our world for years. Um, so, so we've been kind of making recommendations and staying abreast of, of current recommendations for several years. Um, but it's, it's good to see that the National Athletic Trainers Association finally, Association finally made a statement regarding this that we can direct athletes and their parents to because I feel like, I don't know how you guys feel, but as much as we preach um, certain aspects of specializing in sport and not specializing in sport and answering the questions that come to us regarding that, I feel like ultimately it, we're fighting a losing battle because we're fighting against parents um, and players um, and skill coaches and skill coaches that are for profit, just trying to drive um, athletes into their um, their circle of influence so that they can make profit. We're fighting parents who have parents and players who have these pie in the sky hopes for athletic scholarships, which are actually more few and far between than than they choose to realize. Um, but I'm glad that the that NADA National Athletic Trainers Association finally made a statement about this. Um, so what we'll do is there's six key points to the statement and we'll just kind of, we'll read them and then we'll run through them, just offering our thoughts and, and concerns and insight into um, how each part of the statement um, works. How do you guys feel about that? Let's do it. Awesome. So um, point number one, delay specializing in single sport for as long as possible. Um, I'll read the, the following description. Sports specialization is often described as participating and or training for a sport, single sport year-round. Adolescent and young athletes should strive to participate or sample a variety of sports. This recommendation supports general physical fitness, athleticism, and reduces injury risk in athletes. Thoughts, guys? Yeah, I mean, I'll give my thoughts first, I think. I mean, I definitely agree with this one. I think a lot of youth athletes – you need to develop a wide base of athletic skills. Uh, for example, um, when you play basketball, you know, jumping vertically is, is a great skill that's, that's guaranteed that you get from playing that sport. You know, training agility, changing direction, um, as well as the conditioning benefits that you get from playing the sport are all, are all great qualities that a young athlete needs to develop. Likewise, when you play baseball, you don't get any of those things. So it's good to have a good balance of playing different sports to develop different skills that'll help you further down the line as you develop your athletic qualities. I completely agree. I mean, I think um, the more that you can become proficient in a variety of movements, it's going to help you adapt to whatever sport you ultimately choose um, to be able to be more reactive, to be able to 
um, anticipate better to develop the hand-eye and the, and the foot-eye coordination. Um, I think I completely agree with you, Rob, where um, the more sports and the more you can expose yourself to not even sports, but um, crawling, rolling, like gymnastic stuff that we've started to implement into, implement into some of our, of our programs. Um, we were having a good discussion before about um, being an athlete versus being athletic. And I think you even see this in the NBA, like they're drafting players on potential and athleticism. Um, so I think that the more that you can become athletic by trialing a variety of, of activities and movements um, through your prime developmental years, I think the better off you're going to be as you, um, you pick your sport in the long run. Yeah, and just to add a little bit to that, I think, um, I think each sport, you know, if you look at football, baseball, basketball, I think they all offer different things that can help uh, teenagers or young athletes kind of develop from a motor standpoint. Um, and I think, you know, eight to 14, I've heard is, you know, kind of the, the critical age range in which motor development really plays and, uh, plays itself out. So, uh, and then also keep in mind, um, I think it was 2017 NFL draft first round, every single or 30 of 32, uh, of the first round picks were multi-sports, uh, multi-sport athletes in high school. So, um, you know, you can still get to the highest levels of playing, even if when you're young, still playing uh, multiple sports. Yeah, and I agree with everything you guys said. I think this first point is probably one of the, the toughest ones to educate our, our athletes on and, and our athletes' parents on. And it, it might seem, you know, counterintuitive to uh, play multiple sports to get better at a at a single sport. But like you guys are saying, you know, the, the, the benefits here are, Hey, we're reducing, you know, overuse um, injuries by, by varying our, our motor patterns and our attributes that we're training. Um, but we're also, you know, having someone develop those traits uh, like Ray and Rob said in, in different sports where maybe different traits are being um, focused on a little bit more. So this is definitely a challenge that, that we see when, when educating athletes and educating parents on why it might be a good idea to continue to develop and, and play multiple sports, um, even if someone maybe has uh, more of an interest in, in one sport over the others. Awesome. Um, moving on to point number two, one team at a time. Thoughts? So I think this is, this is huge, um, especially in um, youth baseball, uh, because we see this a lot every day, um, where a youth baseball player will play for their rec team, will play travel teams, sometimes two travel teams, for what purpose I can't answer. Um, and then they'll play Little League. That's potentially three teams. And for the youth's baseball season, it's in the spring. So it's all at the same time. So that's a major issue. Um, I definitely agree that they need to only do one sport, one team. I'm sorry, one team. Um, partly do because there's a lack of communication. There's no one quarterbacking the stress that's placed on the athlete, right? There's no one in charge of, of managing the stress. It, parents sometimes don't really get it, um, you know. So it, it's, it's tough to, to manage the stress on the arm, manage what the athlete's going through from a practice standpoint, from a game standpoint, you know, especially if you pitch. It's like 
hey, I pitched on Tuesday, but like maybe this coach doesn't know that he pitched on Tuesday. The athlete's 11 years old. He's not going to say that he just threw 70 pitches and he wants to play. So it's a problem. It's a major problem. Um, so I, you know, I, High school athletes, I think they have a little bit of an easier issue because the seasons are, are kind of separate. You know, they'll play spring for the school, and then summer they'll, they'll do travel. But, but youth athletes, it's all in the spring, and it's a major issue. And definitely agree that it should only be on one team. Yeah, and, and I think you could make the argument that most of what we see injury-wise are, are volume-based injuries, whether even traumatic injuries. It could be you got hit, but you can't control – getting hit because you're tired and you're not getting sleep. Um, but of course, most of the non-contact injuries or some of, you know, are, are thrown related um, UCL injuries or even shoulder labrum tears, that kind of stuff. Like you could make the argument that a lot of those are based on volume and just an accumulation of volume. Um, I've even heard theories that as much as we've been monitoring pro athletes um, moving forward and it, and the trend has gone to them playing less um, injuries are actually on the rise, especially in the NBA. Um, and I think even UCL tears um, are on the rise in Major League Baseball. And some of that, um, I've heard theories of it's volume that they've put in growing up through the little leagues and high school and even college ball that just catches up to them in the pros. Um, so I think that if, if you're playing the long game and you're looking at um, how volume will affect mechanics and ultimately um, potential injury with the straw breaking the camel's back. I think playing one team at a time um, is hugely imperative because um, you have to look at, we just, we're looking at for total, we're looking at total health and performance of an athlete, right? So you don't want to overdo it too much. I think Rob, you mentioned something that's huge there. I think communication, uh, because I think, you know, using baseball as an example, I think maybe playing on a school league team and a travel team, I, you know, I think that's practical. I think that's doable, but I think there has to be communication between the coaches to where maybe they, yeah, I mean, maybe this kid's only pitching for the school team and not the travel team or vice versa. Um, but yeah, there's got to be communication present between the teams and coaches. It's really going to work. And and that's where the, the parent and the athlete have to advocate for themselves because very rarely you're going to have coaches talking to each other. Yeah, I would, I would add on that. The communication is, is huge. Um, so is the responsibility, right? So the, someone's got to have responsibility of, you know, the, the amount of volume um, that is being placed on, on an athlete, you know, whether that's the athlete himself being able to step up and say, Hey, something doesn't feel right. Um, or, you know, the parent who's kind of tracking, you know, pitches over the course of their, their, you know, recreational team and their, and their travel team. Uh, I think the reality is that there needs to be, you know, responsibility. Someone needs to have responsibility on how much volume is being placed on, on the athlete. And that can be, a, that can be a tough thing when, you know, uh, maybe an athlete feels like, you know, they're, they're kind of um, on the edge or not going to get playing time because they're speaking up or, or, or talking about maybe how something doesn't feel right. So definitely a big piece of, of education there from uh, an athlete and parent standpoint. Good stuff guys. Um, so point number three, um, less than eight months per year. An adolescent or young athlete should not play a single sport more than eight months per year. And this kind of fits into the last point of, of volume and, and making sure athletes get a rest. One easy one is we tell athletes to shut down throwing for three months, right? Um, anything else with that? 
I think that just feeds into kind of further solidify the, the previous points. Yeah, I think with this one, this is like this is speaking to like, hey, like make sure you have an off season. You know, put the ball down, put whatever sport you're you're doing, put it down, focus on doing something else, whether it's playing other sport like the other final point was pointing to, or doing an off season transitioning program, um, or just resting and be a kid. How about that idea? Well, I think that speaks to sports isn't just about the physicality of sport it's also about like mental health and, and general well-being right so if you're looking at youth sports as developing a whole person and trying to make sure that these kids are going to be good contributing human beings as they grow older like give them a break and i agree rob just let them play let them have sports are as much mentally taxing for a lot of kids as they are physically taxing if not more so let them kind of take a break step away and regroup and refresh All right. Point number four, no more hours in a week than age and years. So adolescent and young athletes should not participate in organized sport and or activity more hours per week than their age. For example, a 12 year old athlete should not participate in more than 12 hours per week of organized sport. So I, I, I actually like this one. Um, when I first saw this, I was kind of taken back by it because I've never seen anything recommended like this before. Um, but when you really look at it and when you really do the math of what a athlete typical practice is, it actually, it actually adds up pretty, pretty close. Um, you know, so if you're a, a youth athlete, that 12 hour examples, you know, pretty spot on practicing maybe two or three times a week, you know, maybe games on the other days. Um, you know, so I think that this, this point is, is actually pretty darn close um, where I think you get into issues is with the, the three-hour practices, multiple days a week, you know, multiple games back-to-back-to-back to back to back on weekends. You know, I think that's where the, the overuse really starts to pile up. So if, you're that, if that's part of your schedule and that's what your schedule looks like, multiple back-to-back back games in a short amount of time period or long practices, red flag should be, should be thrown up. Yeah, I agree. When do you get to the point of diminishing returns? When does that – two hour when does that extra hour in practice from two to three is that really going to promote progress with your athletes it's just going to kind of add more volume and drive them further towards something something bad happening um i think when you're looking at less is generally more we talk about this in strength and conditioning all the time is where you're really making improvements is when you give your body a chance to rest recover um decompress and, and reform the neural connections that help you learn maybe the skill that you did that day or give your body a chance to rest and repair the muscle that you broke down that day. So I think um, you do get to a point of diminishing returns. And I think you have to realize that where growth happens is during those rest periods. So instead of taking a three hour practice, give them a two hour practice, let them do their homework and get some sleep so they can rebuild and repair. Minimal effective dosage. Exactly. Do as little as possible get to get the biggest effect, especially with youth, especially with youth. Yep. And they're, and they're so adaptable already, Rob. Like they, they're a lot of times they don't need that extra volume of, of physicality. Excellent. So um, number five, two days of rest per week. Adolescent and young athletes should have a minimum of two days off per week from organized training and competition. Athletes should not participate in other organized team sports, competitions, and or training on rest and recovery days. Hop in here again. Um, 
I, again, I think, I think this comes back to, like, think about what an athlete goes through on a typical day. They wake up at 6. They're in school by 7. They get done school at 2.30. They go to practice 3.30 to just say 5, hour and a half, right? Um, they come home. They eat dinner, 6 o'clock, an hour of homework, 7 o'clock. And that's when they're done. Like, that's when they're done their day. Like, that's more than, like, what we go through for, like, an eight-hour workday. It's way more. So, when you think about what a day-to-day of an athlete kind of looks like, that's a lot. So, managing the off days is, is huge. And it's okay to not do something on the weekends or during the week. You know, uh, managing what you're doing when you're not doing an activity or sport is is important, whether it's a structured exercise session, hanging out, playing with your friends, whatever it is. Um, I definitely agree that you know, two days a week of rest is it's huge. Yeah, and I think so, so, much, um, so much of these youth sports have almost become professional in nature because whether it's parents living through their kids or skill coaches trying to make some money off of them, but we're losing the sight that these they're kids and they need to re- – rest and be, just be kids and be allowed to do kid things and spend time with their friends and develop those relationships. Um, so I wholeheartedly agree, agree with this one. Yeah, I think, um, I think two days of rest is uh, more than adequate. I think, you know, I think kids need to get out more and play with their friends more. I think, you know, I think a lot of times we'll see parents on their off days, bring kids up here to hit more or throw more. And I just think it's overkill. I just think, you know, getting away from that sport, whatever it may be, probably benefit them more than anything they could do that day. Excellent. So then point number six kind of feeds into something that we've talked about. It's been a common theme through many of these points is um, rest and recovery time from organized sport participation. Adolescent and young athletes should spend time away from organized sport and or activity at the end of each competitive season. This allows for both physical and mental recovery, promotes health and well-being, and minimizes injury risk and burnout. How many of you guys know someone that played at a high level through high school and then they got to college and they're just like, I'm done. And they're a pretty good athlete and they just burned out by the time they got to college. We're all shaking our heads. We all know someone that's been there. Yeah. I mean, I I think, you know, like giving from a mental standpoint, just like getting people out of that competition mindset and getting them to do something else is – it's very important. And, and that's why I think and that, and that comes back to just like knowing your athletes, you know, understanding why they're here, understanding what they do when they get home, you know, and that's just comes back to building good rapport. So you can say, Hey, like, Hey, what do you got this weekend? You know, or what, what are your plans tonight? You know, how much homework do you have tonight? When you start to ask these questions, you know, you really start to dive into the athlete, understand like their mental capacity and understand where they're at and you know what they're doing so that you can help, help manage them. Nice. So in a closing thought, the final paragraph of their position, the NADA position statement is a quote by um, the chair of the Intercollegiate Council for Sports Medicine Council. Um, So he says, one of the reported motivators for youth sports specialization is to earn a sports related college scholarship. A sobering truth is that the probability of a high school student athlete competing at a collegiate level and receiving any form of sports scholarship is about 2%. As youth athletes progress through their respective sports, the top priority should be their mental and physical health and well-being, which can be jeopardized through early sports specialization. 
we support the recommendations announced by the National Athletic Trainers Association. And again, that was the Intercollegiate Council for Sports Medicine Council Chair, um, Murphy Grant. You know, so I, I think we would all agree with that. The, when you really look at the numbers, athletic scholarship in sports, and especially a full scholarship, that's such a low thing that most people aren't getting full scholarships, right? Um, you know, but you have, to, you have to look at what a youth sport's supposed to be, and it's really supposed to develop um, a kid's ability to interact with others, um, support their mental and physical health and well-being, right? And if, if a scholarship comes out of it because they excel, great. But we have to look at why are we really putting kids into sports um, and are they getting what they want out of it? Or are we really just pushing them to get what we as adults want out of it? I think real quick, some quick thoughts. When you're training youth athletes, like there has to be a focus on fun. There has to be a focus on competition and there has to be a focus on doing lots of different things. If you do those things, chances are kids are going to have a good time. Parents are going to be happy. The coach and strength coach will be happy and the athlete will have a good time. And that's, that's, that's really what it's about is just instilling good habits at a young age. Cool. Thanks Rob. Right. As always, guys, thank you so much for listening to Training Room Talk. Um, if you have any topics you'd like us to address or any thoughts or concerns or any of that kind of stuff, please shoot me an email, John Herding at J-H-E-R-T-I-N-G at thetrainingroompt.com. Until next time, guys, thanks.